Welcome again, everybody. My name is Pastor Derek Parks, and um, I have the wonderful privilege of serving as the lead pastor here at Epiphany Church. Um, and I'm so excited to, to be with you guys today, to worship with you guys, to, to celebrate Jesus today. And um, we're going to be diving into the Word of God uh, when we gather. Uh, for those of you who, who this might be your first time at church or even been to church in a long time, like we gather to worship God, sing songs to Him, sing praises to Him, and then we spend some time gathered around the Word and the teaching of the Scriptures. And so we do that to encourage you, to strengthen you, to inspire you. Uh, to live a life that is devoted to Jesus. And so with that being said, we're in a series called Devoted. And so this series, we've been in it for a minute. <laughs> like this is like part a million of <laughs> of this Devoted series. But we're, 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 and we're not even nowhere near done. So uh, we're going to be in this for a while. We're going to take a break uh, for Christmas and then we'll jump back into it in a little bit. Um, and so I want to do something really quickly before I jump into this um, to this passage today, um, I just want to give a couple of encouragements and admonishments for us this morning. Um, the first of which is, is this, is um, as we are looking towards what it looks like to um, grow in our faith and grow in discipleship um, in Christ, one of the ways that we do that, we, we, we talked through this in September. I did a series called Marked, uh, where we talked about the four distinctions of a disciple, and so the first of those distinctions is that we gather. Disciples gather. And so what that looks like is this, is family, when there are opportunities for discipleship happening here at the church and around the church and in our small groups and all those different things, make sure that you are participating in those things and gathering with us when we gather. Uh, so it's very, very important. We're, we're all trying to go in one direction together. Uh, we exist here at Epiphany to help everyone have an epiphany that allows the grace of God to appear to them. And so that sounds lofty and big, uh, but that happens, and it can happen at a really, really practical level when we gather with each other and have a commitment to that as disciples, okay? Number two is this. Disciples, they invite uh, and so what that looks like is that Jesus was constantly inviting people to follow him. He was constantly inviting people uh, into life with him. And so what we get to do, family, is we get to do the same and invite people into life with Christ. Uh, and so one of the like practical primary ways that you can do that is by inviting somebody to church. And so what we want to, to do is this is like we, we want you to I want you to understand this. Uh, I read a study the other day. It said that. 82% of people said that they would attend church if they were just invited. 82% said they would attend if they were invited. The challenge is this, and this is the admonishment for us, is that only 2% of believers invite people to church. Just 2%. So there's a whole great percentage of people out there who would come to church if a believer would just invite them. And so we believe like that, that disciples, they do four things. They gather and they invite. And so we want you guys inviting people to church. We want you inviting people here. We want you inviting them into life with Christ. A starting point for that is inviting them to church. We got some invite cards and stuff like that around the building. You can grab a couple of them. We, it makes it easy for you to just say, hey, listen, I go to Epiphany Church. Uh, I don't know if you got a church or not, but I wanted to invite you to a church. Here you go. Uh, don't worry about that. That's the kids upstairs. They're having a good time. 
That's a really good time. <laughs> um, so invite someone to church, okay? Yes? Yes? Okay. Uh, the, 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 the third part of that, the third thing disciples do is this, is that disciples, they give. And so when we talk about giving, we're talking about uh, giving in, in various ways, but specifically when we're talking about giving uh, for the context of those who are a part of this church, who are members of this church, I'm not talking to people who are visiting or, like, or, or you're not a member here, but for people who are a part of this church and members of this church, one of the ways that we show forth that we are disciples of Jesus Christ is that we give financially. And so when we give financially, we understand and we show forth that that God has control over every area of our lives. Because most of the times, the final frontier of control when it comes to Jesus is our money. Like we want to hold on to our money. And so we want to encourage you, if you're a member here, if you're a part of this church, to give. Because that's what disciples do. And understand this, is that the everyday functions of the church operate through your giving meaning the lights stay on <laughs> because you give amen lights and walls the lights stay on in here because you give right my family and i are taken care of in part through you guys giving and so listen i want to encourage you to do that and make sure that that is uh, uh, a principle that you practice in your life is known as the principle of first fruits. Like you give to Jesus first. Amen. I know I'm not getting a whole lot of amens because this is a, a sticky, sticky thing to talk about. But listen, uh, I'm not up here to make friends. Like I'm here to encourage you to walk in discipleship with Jesus. Amen. So give. And then the last one, number four. Oh, I'm sorry. Part of that is this. Uh, every year uh, we do uh, what's called our epiphany offering um and so right now we're 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 setting aside a particular um portion in your in our giving and in a fund in our in our giving where you can go onto the church center app you can go uh, onto the website and give and you can give particularly to this special offering and so i'm going to be talking more about that offering as the weeks go by but a portion of that offering is going to be used to 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 kickstart our 2022 budget but also is going to be going towards um uh, giving to mission here uh, in our city and locally in different places for people who we partner with and uh, we serve and we want to be a blessing to other people because God blesses you to be a what? A blessing, okay? And so we want to do that. Uh, so look out for that uh, in the weeks to come. In fact, if you go on today, you can see where the, where the, um, where the fund is, is, is allocated for you to give specifically towards that, okay? Um, and so we're looking, here's what we're looking to do. Um, we're looking to raise $20,000 in that fund. Amen. Yeah, we're looking to raise $20,000 in that fund. Um, and that sounds like a big number for such a small church. But listen, we serve a big God. Amen. A God who's able to do exceedingly and abundantly above all that we could ask or think. Right. And so uh, we're, we're looking to, to raise $20,000 in that epiphany offering. We're going to talk more about that. Last one is this. Disciples serve. Okay, disciples, they serve. And so here's what we here's what we need. We are people are looking for life for a life giving environment where they can come and have an experience with Jesus. And so when you serve, what you do is that you make it possible for people 
who don't yet know Jesus to come into a space where everything has already been prepared for them. And so it, it, it removes the distractions. It removes the difficulties in the way for people to hear from God. And so what, we, what, what happens when you serve is you move obstacles out of the way for people. And so we're inviting everyone, not inviting, we're, <laughs> we're asking everybody to figure out what ways you can serve here at Epiphany. And so you serve God through serving others. And so we want to help you to, to, to really dive into this portion of being a disciple by serving. And so listen to me very clearly. <clears throat> One of the ways that we really need your help is with the kids upstairs. So <laughs> now y'all got really quiet because y'all like, I'm not messing with no kids. But listen, <laughs> the way we really need help is with, with the children. And so there are like 14 babies in here today, um, like little ones. And the, the Moors who are upstairs, they've been upstairs consistently for like three or four months, like just them. And so we need to spread it out, okay? And so we need some volunteers. If I could get four couples or four groups of people, we could get you to serve once a week. And that way the Moors don't have to be upstairs for three months at a time helping to serve with our kids. And, and listen, I know that you guys... You don't want your kids to have to sit on your lap, right? So let's make sure that we are serving. And also, uh, I, I'm, I'm the kind of pastor who is, I believe in, in this, is that uh, I won't do anything that I won't ask you to do. I, I won't ask you to do anything that I won't do myself. So uh, one Sunday, like, I might, we might just have worship or something like that because I'll be upstairs with the kids and, like, bouncing kids on my knee or something like that. So I want you to make sure that we're getting in position, right, to make sure that we are serving in the body of Christ and making it possible, right, for people to experience a life-giving environment where they can experience Jesus. Does that make sense? Amen. So let's get geared up. Amen. Yeah, let's get geared up. Let's get geared up. Let's get ready to serve. Let's get ready to gather together, invite people to church, give, and serve commercial over <laughs> all right let's jump into the word okay y'all need to stretch y'all good all right thank you i hear my wife <laughs> oh hardly hear none of y'all <clears throat> that's probably just me i'm hard of hearing a little bit so devoted this this um we're we're in um james chapter 2 today verse 18 through 19 um verse 18 through 19. We'll have it up here for you on the screen um, if you don't have your Bible. I like to use my paper Bible. I don't know. I feel more spiritual when I do. (laughs) That's not to say anything about you if you're not using your paper Bible, but for me, I feel more spiritual. <laughs> uh, uh, hear these words of our Father, uh, James chapter 2, uh, verse 18. Um, if somebody um, could grab me a towel, I'm not going to make it up here. These lights are beating me down. Uh, <laughs> I'm already starting to sweat. James chapter 2, verse 18. Hear the words of our Father. He says, but someone will say, you have faith. And I have works. 
show me your faith without works, and I will show you faith by my works. Verse 19, he says, you believe that God is one. Good. Even the demons believe that. And they shudder. Father, I pray, God, that you would bless us today. God bless your word. Speak to us clearly today, Jesus. Help us to hear from you, Father. Help us to be equipped, God, to understand what it is that you have to say for us, your people. God, we pray this by your spirit, God, that you would lead us and guide us into all truth, God. And when we hear these words of truth, when we hear these words of life, may we respond by saying, Lord, help us to obey. Father, it's in that same spirit that I pray that you would stand in my body and think through my mind and speak through my mouth and let the words of my mouth and meditations of my heart be acceptable in your sight, my Lord, my strength and my redeemer, who I place all my trust in. Everyone said, amen. I want to tag this text today. And show me what you're working with. Show me what you're working with. The urban philosopher mystical once said shake it fast watch yourself shake it fast show me what you're working with and in the song the philosopher makes the declaration that each of us has been giving something unique to work with i'm going there today (laughs) whether big or small you got to show them what you're working with. And when it comes to faith, listen to this, some of you might have a little, but some of you might have a lot. And whether you got a little or whether you got a lot, you got to show what you're working with. You might be on full and you might be on flat, but you got to show what you're working with. And I want you to see today as we navigate through this passage of Scripture is that James is calling us today. He's calling us to understand that we've got to show what we're working with. See, when it comes to the idea of faith and works, it's required for us. We must know and note that when Jesus is calling us into relationship with him, thank you, when he's calling us into relationship with him, we are marked not by just what we believe, but also by what we do. We're going to switch. Thank you. Even better. Amen. We're marked by what we do. And so listen to this as we journey through this. James tells us in verse 18, he says, someone will say, you have faith and I have have works. Now, James here, to give you some context, James is, is presenting an imaginary objector to his previous statement in verses 15 through 17, where he says, listen, if you see a brother or sister without clothes and lacking in food, and all you say to them is go in peace, Stay warm and be well fed, but you don't give them what their body needs. He's saying to you, and this is what he says. He says, if you, if your faith does not have works, it's what? Dead. And so now James is, he's like, listen, I know some of you, (laughs) y'all going to have some excuses. 
I know some of you are going to have something to say. So James, in, in his writing, is masterful. He just go ahead and he presents an imaginary objector to any of the excuses that we might make up in our mind. So James is attuned to the excuses that believers are prone to make. James knows our tendency, hear this, towards relativism. And what he's, what, he's, what he's showing us is this, is that sometimes what we do is we say this. We say what's good for you is good for you, and what's good for me is good for me. He's saying to them, he's saying, listen to this. He's saying, listen, I know that someone might say that you've got faith. That's okay. You've got that faith stuff, but I've got those works. He's saying like that he knows that our tendency is to is to not want to be confrontational. Our tendency is to not want to point people to the truth. Our tendency is to allow ourselves to enter into a space where we can just be as we want to be. But James is saying, nah, (laughs) that's not the case. He's saying, listen, you may have faith and you may have works, but show me your faith without works. And I'll show you faith by my works. James is talking heavy here. He's letting them know. He's saying, listen, I'm looking to put your excuses to bed. I'm looking to put your excuses to bed and let you know that, listen, if your faith is not coupled with works, your faith is dead faith. If your faith is not coupled with some works, your faith is dead faith. And if your works are not accompanied by some faith, then you're just doing a whole bunch of stuff. And so what James is pointing us to, he's helping us to understand this. He's saying, listen, you might have all types of faith. And we talked about four types of faith last week. We talked about a specific faith. You might have the type of faith where you believe God can do anything. You may have the type of faith where you believe God will do something particular in your life and specific in your life. You might have that kind of faith. You might have supernatural faith. You might believe God for the impossible. You might believe God to resurrect dead relationships. You might believe God to resurrect things. in you. you might believe him for all that stuff. But he's saying if your faith doesn't have works, it's dead faith. You might even have some surrogate faith where you're willing to believe God on the behalf of somebody else. You might have the type of faith that's strong enough to believe to carry something for somebody else on their behalf and get them to a place based off of your faith like Martha and Mary did for, G- for, for Lazarus when he was in the grave. And Jesus told them, he said, if you believe, you will see the glory of God. And some of you even have that kind of faith. But if you don't have works to go with your faith, your faith is dead. James is saying, look, your faith might even be towards saving faith. And this is scary. You you might even have the type of faith that is able to save. But if your faith is not worked out by some works, your faith is dead. And whatever it might look like, whatever your faith looks like, it can be specific, supernatural, surrogate, or saving. Whatever your faith looks like, it must be coupled by works. Now, James says, you, some... Some of you might have faith. You might think that you have possession of faith. (laughs) But if you don't have works, it doesn't mean anything. Now, listen, your works can be in any area that you would like it to be. And see, what happens is sometimes is we we think that the work that we do is special because we target a particular group of people. 
we think that our work is special because uh, we join a church in the inner city and we try to help people. Like we think that the works that we're doing are unique and all those different things because of how we are conducting ourselves. But if your if your works don't have faith attached to it, you're not doing anything. So whatever it might look like, whatever your faith might look like, whatever your works might look like, if they're not coupled together, James is saying to us that it's not worth anything. Now, James says this. He says, show me faith without works and I'll show you my faith by my works. This idea here of showing James is saying this. What he's saying is this. He's saying, listen, your works give evidence of your faith. Your works show proof of your faith. This idea of evidence here, we're talking about the available body of facts which indicate whether your belief is valid or not. So James is saying this. He's saying, listen, your faith is validated by works. My son says all the time, he'd be like, Dad, that's valid. And I'd be like, what? (laughs) He'd be like, Dad, that's super valid. I'm like, okay. I don't know what 19-year-olds be talking about, but that's what he'd be talking about. He'd be like, Dad, that's valid. I'm like, oh, okay. I got it. And what I want to say to us today is that our works are a master class on our faith. See, if your faith is valid, it's going to have some works attached to it. And those works, here's here's why I say that those works, this idea here of showing also carries the idea of teaching. And so when we see this in this passage, what James is saying to us is that your faith, when it's coupled with works, it teaches. See, if if you want to instruct people about the ways of God, if you want to instruct people and teach people about faith, then you better show up with your faith coupled with some works. Don't just be walking up into spaces talking about God has delivered me, all this kind of stuff. And, and you up there, hallelujah, and hand raising and praising God. And Because and some of you just come to church just to get your praise on. Some of you come to church just, just to get an emotional feeling happening. But the, the, James is teaching us and telling us this. He's saying, listen, when you show up and you want to instruct people in faith, you better have some works attached to your faith. Faith is not, let me help you, because I want to help somebody. (laughs) Faith is not mere intellectual assent. Faith is not just a collection of intellectual ideas about God. That's not what faith is. Nor is faith simply an emotional response to something that you believe. It's not that either. Faith, and I'm going to get into this, faith involves your willful obedience. Faith involves 
your willful obedience to Jesus. That's why I started out giving you all that, that, that sort of list of things that disciples do. Because if we're disciples of Jesus, then guess what? That means that we're going to have to be obedient to what he says. See, what happens is this. James, he tells us, he says, listen, show me faith without works. And I'll show you faith by my works. This idea here is that without, without works is that some of us believe that we can somehow separate our faith from our works. We believe that we can separate it. That's why we're one person on the job and another person at home. That's why the way we show up in church is different from the way that we show up at home with our kids. It's because... (laughs) We believe this. Here's what we believe. We believe that we can separate our faith from our works. And the reason why we think that is because we don't like accountability. We don't like accountability, family. (laughs) We think that if we can separate the two, if we can put our faith over here and our works over here, then we don't have to deal with being held accountable for the things that we say. We don't have to deal with being held accountable for the things that we say we believe. <laughs> we say we believe this Bible. <laughs> we say we believe this word. But when he says, love your enemy, we start talking about all our haters. We say we believe this book when we say, when he tells us to control our tongue, which James is going to get into in chapter three, <laughs> we act like we don't know what he's talking about because you're not just going to talk to me any old kind of way. I don't know who you think you're talking to. <laughs> I'm from Wilmington. <laughs> <laughs> I've been waiting to use that because <laughs> I'm not a Wilmingtonian, so I'll, I'm from Camden. And so, yeah, <laughs> I'm from Camden. And y'all be saying Wilmington. Y'all don't say Wilmington. There's no L. It's women. I'm five years. Hey, thank you. I'm official now. He said five years. I'm official. Let's go. <laughs> but we don't, we, don't want, we don't want any accountability for our actions. We don't want accountability because James is saying, listen, Your faith and your works must line up. Your faith and your works must line up. And when we separate them, when we say, nah, that's not what you need, you don't need to do all that, when we separate it, it's because we are desperately trying to get away from accountability. But James is saying, listen, show me faith without works. And I'll show you faith by my works. Let's go to what James is saying. James is saying, listen, there is a certain type of faith that you must practice if it's going to be authentic faith. Because here's what the reality is, is this. All belief is not of faith. 
We might say we believe stuff. We might say we believe God about certain things. We might say that we believe what God says to us, but all belief is not a faith. And so James is saying, listen, show me faith without works, and I'll show you faith by my works. What James is saying here, this little word here, this little word by here, in, 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 in the original language that this is written in, this, word, this Greek word, it, 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 it talks about coming from your faith. So James is saying to you, he's saying, I, if, if you're going to talk about having faith without works, listen to this, I'm going to show you, I'm going to show you something that comes from my faith. The works that I do, the things that I do, the way that I live my life, the way that I live in community with other people, the way that I act on my job, the way that I behave when no one else is looking, the way that I do that, it comes from my faith. The place of origin for your actions ought to be your faith. And what happens all the time is we get it twisted and people, uh, oftentimes unbelieving people think that they could just do a bunch of good stuff and they'll be all right with God because they're trying, not trying to work from faith. They're trying to work for faith. They're trying to obtain something from God when the reality is, is that we can't obtain anything from God. Everything we have from God is freely given to us because of a word called grace. God's grace is, is boundless. His grace is limitless. And he applies his, his grace to whoever he wants to in whatever circumstance he wants to. And he gives away his grace freely. And so what Jesus, what we have to know is this, is that our faith is the place of origin of all of our words. If not, you have what's called a demonic faith. Look at what James is about to do. See, last week James was telling us, he said, listen, there's a certain type of faith that's dead. It's, it's a dead faith. And that's a faith without works. But now James is about to show us that there's a demonic faith. Listen to this. James says, you believe that God is one. Good. Even demons believe. And they shudder. Even the demons believe. And they shudder. <laughs> James is saying to this, and I, I, I'm going to give this to you before I, I jump deeply into that, is this. One theologian says this. He says, he says, faith and works are like the wings of a bird. Clip off one wing, you have no flight. <laughs> Clip off one wing, you have no life. Because if you take a bird's wing, it will soon be caught by its predators. Even a, uh, even a bird that is a predator will soon become prey if you take away its wing. And that's what happens with us. We get tripped up and caught up sometimes in this trap of believing faith versus works and all that kind of stuff like that. But if your faith and works are not working in tandem with one another, if, if, if they're not moving at the same rate, if they're not going at the same time, you'll never get lift off. 
and, and more so to the point, and here's why I need you to be careful, is, is that if you believe the, 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 the false truth that you can have faith, that you can have works without faith or faith without works, guess what? You'll soon become a prey. The predators of life will soon grip you up. You'll soon get caught up in materialism. You'll, you'll, you'll soon get caught up in, in, in pride. You'll soon get caught up in various things. If you don't understand that faith and works go together. Let me be clear with you. The first work that we are to have is to believe. I told us this last week. James chapter 6, verse 29, it says this. It says that the work of God is this, to believe in the one he has sent. That's your first work, is to believe. But here's what James is saying to us. It's not enough. He's saying, you believe that God is one, good. Even demons believe that and they shudder. This idea is here that you have placed your confidence in the fact that God is one. You can be as monotheistic and Trinitarian as you want to be. You can have all of those ideas packed into one. But James is saying, even demons do that. (laughs) He's saying to us, listen, demons have a right perspective of God. Demons see Jesus clearly. <laughs> peep, the, peep the Gospels where, where, where Jesus had interactions with demons and they're like, hold on. Hold up. <laughs> we're not fooling with you. <laughs> like, we know who you are. <laughs> just, just put us in the pig or something like that. Like, don't. <laughs> like, let us, let us be great <laughs> out here. <laughs> Even Demons. Recognize Jesus. And James says that you believe that God is one. You believe that. You trust in Jesus. You trust that God is able, either in obtaining or doing something. You trust in him. You believe in God. He says that's good. You believe that God is one. Now, he's, co- he's, he's, he's pointing them directly. They would have understood what he was talking about because James was a Jew. And so as, as a Jew, Jewish people, they had an affirmation, a daily affirmation that they quoted every day. It's from Deuteronomy chapter 6, verse 4. It's known as the Shema. It's Shema Israel Elonai Eloheinu Elonai Echad. It's this idea that listen, O Israel, or hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. And so there's this, <laughs> it's crazy, uh, uh, there's, this, there's this monotheistic Trinitarian reality in this, and, and, and it's pointing us to this understanding that the Jews, they would have quoted this every single day. Y'all know how y'all do. Y'all be having y'all affirmations. <laughs> y'all be in the mirror every morning. <laughs> Talking about, I'm, I am wise. <laughs> I'm smart. I'm important. Like all this stuff <laughs> that y'all be in the mirror doing. I, I know what you're doing. 
And there's nothing wrong with that. There's nothing wrong with you speaking life, right, over yourself and all that kind of stuff. But the problem is that most of our affirmations fail because they're centered around us and not around God. I want to help somebody today. So you need to shift your affirmations from just talking about yourself to talking about the great God who you serve. You, your affirmations ought to shift from just, uh, you know, God, I, I'm one, uh, I am wise to, listen, I serve a God who has all wisdom. And because he's got all wisdom, he imparts wisdom until his children, if we would just ask him. James is going to tell us that later. He says, listen, if you lack wisdom, just ask, and he's going to give it to you. And see, we need to shift our mindset from just, from just pointing and lifting up ourselves to lifting up the King of kings and Lord of lords in our lives and what he has done in us and through us. You're like, my affirmations ain't working. <laughs> well... Shift them a little bit. And, and, and John is go, James is going through this, and he's, he's constantly quoting a bunch of stuff, and he's, he's, he's helping us to understand, like, this idea, this reality. Jesus was very clear about this idea. Uh, he said in John chapter 10, verse 30, he says, the Father, I and the Father are one. He, this, this idea is very clear that as we're walking through this is that we believe that God is one. And James says that's good and all. That's great even. James is saying that you might have theological correctness, but you can still be lost. James is saying that you might get your orthodoxy right and still be lost. James is even saying that you might have the right type of orthopraxy. That's just practice. You might have the type, right type of orthopraxy and still be lost. Many are going to say in the last day, Lord, I did this in your name. I did that in your name. I cast out demons in your name. I raised the dead in your name. I did all this stuff in your name. And he's going to say, depart from me. I never knew you. And so we might, we might have it right. <laughs> We might have some stuff right, but James is saying this, you do well to believe all the stuff that you believe, all the rightness you believe, you, you do well, but all belief is not of faith. He says, even demons believe. Demons have good theology but they're not of God's. <laughs> this idea here about these demons, right, it's talking about the, the evil spirits or the, 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 the messengers of, of, of Satan. But it, it, it points to the, the, the divine power that's in them, right? This idea here about demons is it's talking about ones who have power. And so I, I need you to note this, though, is that divine power is different from ultimate power. See, God has ultimate power. That's why Acts chapter, 13, Acts, chapter, uh, Acts chapter 8, we see Simeon the sorcerer, or Simon the sorcerer, uh, and Luke records it um, in verse 13. It says that, that Simon, he even believed and was baptized. But several verses later, we see him attempting to buy spiritual power. And Luke records Peter saying to him, he says, listen, you have no part or share in this ministry. 
because your heart is not right before God. Repent of this wickedness and pray to the Lord. Perhaps he'll forgive you for having such a thought in your heart. Simeon, excuse me, Simon, the sorcerer's faith didn't even benefit him as much as the demon's beliefs benefits them. You know why? At least they shudder. <laughs> At least they tremble at their belief. It's interesting to note that this passage in Acts chapter 10, chapter 8 verse 10, it says that everyone was paying attention to Simon the sorcerer. And they were calling him the great power of God. But we come to find out that his power was nothing because he didn't have true faith. And just like Simon, you can believe, you may even be baptized. But if you don't have faith in the living God, it doesn't mean anything. The idea is this, this is the point, and I've said this a couple times, is that there is belief that is not of faith. Last week we learned about dead faith. This week I'm showing you about demonic faith. Hear this. Our faith becomes demonic when we have an expectation of being emotionally stimulated in order to feel close to God. See, even demons believe and they shudder, they tremble. They have an emotional response to their knowledge of God. And most of us are just looking for just that today. We cloak it in language like, God, I just want to go deeper in you. <laughs> but what we really mean is, is that we want to experience an emotional high with Jesus. We want to be in a presence with people, gathered around people who are just experiencing high emotion as it relates to their faith. But this belief is demonic because it communicates that in order for my experience with God to be valid, I must have an emotional and cathartic experience with him. In other words, God's not real, active, and moving in my life if I can't feel him. That's demonic. You can have the right knowledge. <laughs> you can have appropriate emotion about Jesus and still reject his lordship over your life. Here's what his lordship says to us. If you love me, you'll keep my commandments. Not if you love me, you'll have the occasional experience 
of feeling an emotional high when you're coming in my presence. We want every time we read the Bible, we don't read it because the last time we read it, it was just genealogies and stuff. <laughs> what about dinosaurs? We ask all these weird questions. <laughs> and we want to feel this thing. We want to have an emotional experience. And that if God doesn't move in your heart a particular kind of way, it wasn't real. Not so, family of God. Here's the beauty. Is that the footprints of God in your life are found in the mundane places of your life. The places in your life when you were just going about your business. When you was just doing regular stuff. Raising your kids. <laughs> chasing them around the house. <laughs> asking them to please sit down. Like, that's where the footprints of God are in your life. That's where God is actively working and moving in your life. Is when he's, he's giving you the Holy Spirit power to have patience with people that you, that you don't really feel like having patience with. When he's empowering you to control your tongue. When he's aiding you in helping people to have an experience with him where their life has changed. We're looking for an emotional high. James is saying is that the pursuit of intellectual, emotional experiences with God does not lead to authentic faith. Mere acknowledgement of some facts or events, that's just intellectual faith. Getting warm and fuzzies, that's just emotional faith. But if you want to have a real experience with Jesus, then you must have your faith line up with your works. James says, you can talk all that faith without work stuff to me all you want. But you show me faith without works. And I'll show you faith by my works. This is centuries old stuff. <laughs> I met with a group of pastors last weekend. We just started talking and, you know, pastors, when you're, when you're in your peer group, you talk about certain stuff. And we're sharing, like, difficulties and challenges and stuff like that. And one dude stood up and said, you know, this is not new. Like, this stuff we're dealing with with the church is not new. This stuff has been happening for centuries. James was writing about complacent Christians who thought that all they needed was faith. He was writing to complacent believers who thought, 
I'm good because I believe. I don't need to do anything else. I don't need to get in the game. I don't need to step up and, and call people to gather and invite people to church and, and give of my resources and serve in various capacities. I don't need to do any of that stuff because I got faith. James has been, was writing to complacent Christians. And he's speaking to us today in the ultimate complacency of our cultural Christianity at times. We can be so complacent. We don't feel like we need to do anything else. I showed up to church, you know. I was here. Again, I wouldn't be a good shepherd if I didn't point us to this. And I'm not going to let us off the hook about this. Is that God is calling us to get up out of the bleachers of Christianity and get onto the field. Stop being spectators and be active participants. Show me faith without works, and I'll show you faith by my works. Here's my closing points. The devoted. The devoted believe the right words. They behave the right ways. But they show the right works. And God is calling us to have our faith and our works be the wings that take us to where God wants us to be. Pray with me, Father. Thank you for your grace. God, we thank you for your mercy, your kindness, your goodness to us. God, help us today to be guided by the truth of the scripture. And God, as we seek to live lives that are devoted, as we seek to live lives that are connected and guided by you, Father, we pray today by your spirit that you would teach us to show what we're working with. It's in Christ's name that I pray. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Let's prepare our hearts for communion. Thank you so much for choosing to worship with us this morning. We are so excited and so thankful. If you have chosen to follow Jesus, you've just made the best decision of your life, and we are so excited, and all of heaven is rejoicing with us. Click the link at the bottom of the screen, and someone from Epiphany Church will follow up with you as soon as possible. If you have chosen to become a member of Epiphany Church Wilmington today, welcome, and we cannot wait to meet you. Click the link at the bottom of the screen, and someone will contact you as soon as possible. Also, 
If you could give, and there are several ways to give, you could click the link at the bottom of the screen, you could text, you could download the app, but we need you to give. Uh, without your giving, we would not be able to do any of the things that we do as a church in the community. Once again, thank you so much for worshiping with us this morning. Like, comment, subscribe, and share, and tell a friend to tell a friend about what God is doing here at Epiphany Church Wilmington, where we believe in being on the block, in the middle of it, for Jesus Christ. God bless you all, and you have all have a wonderful week.